Yo, shake my hand. Uh, you know, welcome to another beautiful episode uh, with 365 Trading Academy. I appreciate you as usual. This is hosted by 365 Trading Academy, but this is, of course, the 365 Money Heist podcast. Uh, my camera is a bit off there for you guys on YouTube. Hope you don't mind. Really, the point is really more so that you can hear me read uh, today's chapter to you. Uh, there's feedback in the background, right? So, okay, so we're running live. Everything is good, right? So I appreciate all of you guys. I really do appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you for sticking around. I hope you are learning. I hope this is adding, you know, the type of value I imagined it would, you know, add, you know, when I started this project. You know, I, I didn't know if it was going to be a good idea. Um, oh, a great idea. Shake my hand. Appreciate you, man. You're up. Why are you awake? Shake my hand. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in live. Right. So, so, you know, that's what it is. Um, I'm committed to doing this for the rest of my life every single day. Um, I'm very obsessed about impact value, right? So, so I just want to know if I'm having an impact in people's lives and I want that impact to be something that one day people will grow to desire, cherish, and spread, right? So we are doing the richest man of Babylon, and we are winding down to the end. To be very specific, today being Tuesday, we'll be finished with the book on Thursday. The last day of reading this book is Thursday, all right? So we, it's, it was, uh, you know, a fairly long, short book, all right, about 11 chapters, but the chapters were quite thick, and I absolutely enjoyed that about it. It was a childhood book for me. Um, 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 and honestly speaking, just going through with, with, with it again for this podcast has helped me quite a bit. Uh, I've been making extensive notes, by the way, for the first book, Science of Getting Rich and This, and then I'm going to find a way to distribute that. So maybe through an animated video um, that will kind of like structure. I'm going to hire someone to do that kind of stuff for me, though. I, won't, I don't have the skill set nor the time who will put together, you know, lessons and summaries in like a 10-minute format just so that we are all up to date with all the steps we need to take. The whole point of this is not only to learn, but to be very practical, to go and apply it. Right. So it's a new month. Uh, uh, today is the 1st of February. M my hope is if you've been following the podcast by now, today, you should have started your first 10% uh, um, uh, savings journey, right? Your first 10% from January income, if you have an income. But remember, saving 10% is nothing to do with a job. It has nothing to do with a fixed income. Saving 10% is simply if someone gives you $10, $1 must go towards your future. If someone gives you $100, $10 must go towards your future. Your salary, 10% of that. If you're not used to it, if you have too many expenses, there are many other laws that we went through that you that would need your actual practical application and support. For example, uh, you know, you know the. Sorry, I just want to quickly fix this. There we go. Right. For for example, addressing the issue around uh, the seven cures of a lean press. The point is you are only going to start building wealth when you start building wealth, right? So let, let's, let's get on that. Right, so chapter 9 today is the clay tablets from Babylon. Chapter 9 today is the clay tablets, uh, tablets from Babylon. Yesterday is chapter, chapter 8, by the way. Um, if, if I ever get back to traveling around uh, financial seminars, which seems to start in June, July. I was hoping to start a little bit later into the year, like August, but I do have three bookings in July already um, it, it's something I normally spend the first day on all right 
chapter eight yesterday is something uh, that I, I, I preferably like to spend an entire day on. And because statistically speaking, a lot of people are stuck in this world of debt. All right, so chapter eight, just a couple of quotations. Ill fortune pursues every man who thinks more about borrowing than repaying, right? More about borrowing than repaying. That's a very, very big thing, right? Ill fortune will always follow you. Being young and without experience, I did not know that who he who spends more than he earns is sowing the winds of needless self-indulgence from which he is sure to rip the whirlwinds of trouble and humiliation. So I indulge my whims for fine, you know, remnant and both luxuries for my good wife and our home beyond our means. It was very dangerous time you were spending more than you could keep it was not investing and you would over borrow and not repay that stuff comes back i mean i i am no stranger to to the downs of of, of financial lives like I, I we've been kicked out um but, but when they kicked us out you know back then it wasn't just you're evicted it was you're evicted and you can't live you know, you leave your furniture behind. So everything that we owned, every single possession, you know, it was an illegal uh, attachment, right? Because we later on, we found out that they should at least give us our pants, you know? So I've been through um, a lot of those things around debt. The debt then was specifically um, um, failure to comply with rental payments because I had no money. I was broke. I was like completely waxed out. My, my, my trading at that particular time was close to zero, not doing extremely well. My living conditions for my trading psychology were absolutely terrible. I mean, there's so many things that happened, but at the center of it all, as long as I remember that I am responsible for where I am in life, the externals don't matter, right? So I had to quickly figure that stuff out. But debt is, is like a cancer, guys. We have to focus on that. In fact, you know, the only thing I would suggest you do, you know, if, if you're following the principles of science of getting rich and richest men of Babylon is you do your 10% and then you focus on debt. You focus on, on removing the debt, right? So anyways, that's what we covered yesterday around, uh, you know, the issues of debt and how dangerous debt can be. Um, and I think that was absolutely important, right? So now let's move to chapter nine today, which is the clay tablets from Babylon, the clay tablets from Babylon. If I remember this chapter, there's like a back and forth of letters. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it's the chapter of the letters, right? So we're going to read a couple of letters behind, you know, between someone and their so-called professor. And we're going to learn some very important things. The clay tablet from Babylon, right? So you remember at the beginning of the book, Arkad is a scribe. All right, so so, 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 so all that stuff, they, they're wrapping the book up. They're going to tie it up together, right? So... Uh, so, so right, right at the beginning of the chapter, chapter nine, the clay tablets from Babylon is Nottingham University. The date is October the 21st, 1934. Second World War was about to end, right? So Hitler goes crazy again and there's a second world war up until 1935. Uh, but you know, 1930s is quite significant. There's the Great Depression, which is the toughest time and one of the biggest world-class economic crashes where Goldman Sachs emerges and actually gives a new shine inside of financial markets because they outbid the market and actually are part of a big resuscitation of the economy back then. 
1935, we also have the introduction of Fordism, Fordism being a mode of regulation. So it was a new way for capitalism to operate, right? I'm just talking from, from what that year, you know, so, so mass production, basically trying to create a big middle class, a big middle consumption class, right? Which is really what a lot of salesmen tactics come from, right? Selling cheap to the masses, right? So get a bigger customer base. Uh, what else happened in 1935? Well, I'm sure we'll come up with more stuff. But anyway, this is in 1934. So the letter then starts. My dear professor, the five clay tablets from your recent uh, excavation in the ruins of Babylon arrived on the boat with your letter. So someone uh, excavated these tablets or when you excavate, you get an archaeologist normally and they dig, dig, dig and they find these historical things. So they found the clay tablets. So this is a little bit now into the future from the days of Arkad and they've excavated the, 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 the tablets. Uh, from Babylon. So the letter goes on to say, I've been fascinated no end and I've spent many pleasant hours translating their inscriptions. I should have answered your letter at once but delayed until I could complete the transactions with which were attached. The tablets arrived without damage thanks to your careful use of pres preservatives and excellent packing. You will be astonished as we in the laboratory at the story they relate. One expects the deemed distant past to speak of romance and adventure, the Arabian Nights, sort of things, you know. We, when instead it discloses the problem of the person named Dabasia, right? Dabasia is from the previous chapter, Dabasia to pay off his debts. One realizes that conditions upon this old world have not changed as much in 5,000 years as one might expect. So it's been 5,000 years in 1934, right? So, okay. It's odd, you know, but these old inscriptions rather rag me, as the students say. Being called a professor, I am supposed to be thinking. I'm supposed to be a thinking human being possessing a working world of knowledge of most subjects. Yet, here comes this old chap out of the dust-covered ruins of Babylon to offer a way I have never heard of to pay off my debts and at the same time acquire gold to jingle in my wallet. A pleasant thought, I say, and an interesting to prove whether it will work as well as nowadays as it did in old Babylon. Mrs. Shrewsbury and myself are planning to try out his plan upon our own affairs which could be much improved. This is important. Wishing you the best of luck in your worthy undertaking and waiting eagerly uh, 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 another opportunity to assist. I am your sincerely Alfred H. Shrewsbury, Department of Archaeology. So this is Tablet 1 from 5,000 years ago in 1934. Tablet 1. Now when the moon become at full, I, the Bezier, who am but recently returned from slavery in Syria with the determination to pay, right? So, so, and I'm sorry to keep making sound bites, right? But number one, I'm not as tired as I normally am. Number two is I'm trying to connect things as we wrap up this book. Uh, in chapter eight, he says, look, man, the only thing that stops you in general is determination, right? If you, if you tell yourself, come hell or no high water, I'm going to pay off these debts. You're going to pay off these debts. Like today I was talking to traders and I was telling them, you know, a lot, a sum, not a lot, but some of them are holding 
a potentially brilliant trade like but but you only know it was potentially brilliant a month from now right they nasdaq they got into clean good buys from yesterday today etc and 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 some are in some are just thinking about it some want to get in and the point is they, there's a little bit of determination right the determination needs to be reinforced with discipline right so Dabazia was teaching the young guy old money in chapter 8 that where determination is the way can be found right no matter what a way can be found so he says look i've come back from syria slave with the determination to pay my many just debts and become a man of means worthy of respect in my native city of babylon do ye here engrave upon the clay a permanent record of my affairs to guide and assist me in trying through my high desires? Under the wise advice of my good friend Marthon, the gold lender, I am determined to follow an exact plan that he doth say will lead an honorable man out of debt into means and self-respect. This plan included three purposes which are my hope and desire. First, the plan doth provide for my future prosperity. So number one, future prosperity. Therefore, one-tenth, you know, when these guys, these brilliant authors who have lived this life and are not writing a fantasy novel, keep repeating a point, I want you to know they are emphasizing something important. The very first step in this grand plan is number one, I need to protect the future of my prosperity. Therefore, one-tenth of all I earn shall be set aside as my own to keep. For Manthan speaketh wisely when he saith, that man who keepeth in his purse both gold and silver, that he need not spend his good to his family and loyal to his king. The man who hath but a few coppers in his purse is indifferent to his family and indifferent to the king. But the man who hath not nothing in his purse is unkind to his family and is disloyal to his king for his own heart is bitter right so if you're broke unfortunately it's got terrible effects on those around you right therefore the man who wishes to achieve must have coin that he may keep to jingle in his purse and that he have in his heart love for his family and loyalty for his king i mean if you have kids you should see how stressed you are and how, how, how you just talk in the house like, yeah, yeah, yeah leave me alone, I'm stressed, I need to go work. It's just small things like that, but the problem is they are pointing to the root problems in your life, right? You need to continuously have money. The best way to do that is to secure your future now, guys, 10% rule. Second, the plan doth provide that I shall support and clothe my good wife who hath returned to me with loyalty from my house of her father. For Matthew doth say that to take care of a faithful wife put it self-respect into the heart of a man and added strength and determination to his purpose therefore seven tenths of all i earn shall be used to provide a home clothes to wear and food to eat and with a bit extra to spend that our lives be not lacking in pleasure and enjoyment he doth further enjoy the greatest care that we spend not greater than seven tenths of what I earn for those worthy purposes wherein lieth the success of the plan I must live upon this portion and never use more nor buy what I may not pay for out of this portion so we now we've got this map let's say you earn ten dollars whatever it is, is out of a percentage 
70% he says take care of your house take care of your family take care of the standard of living that you can afford make it pleasurable so that it is important that you value what it is that you're doing if you have a family around you take care of them right it's, it's called pay yourself first waking up in the morning is much more exciting to get onto the hustle if you're enjoying the fruits of your labor right so you've got seven out of ten going towards that and you've got one out of ten going towards your debt all right uh, I feel like we're, we're literally all on the same same page there right now tablet number two I believe is the next one so let me make sure I read everything on tablet number two uh, on tablet one but he got further enjoy the greatest care we spend or greater than seven tens. yeah I did so tablet number two third the plan dot provides that out of my earnings my debts shall be paid so there'll be no magic money to pay off your debts that's another thing I did as a terrible mistake back then I kept waiting to increase my income debt was bad very bad but I had social capital to some extent I was a nice guy and because of that a lot of people understood my situation which was good and so it bought me time but as, as the longer more time they, I got which was them being kind to me which was the kindness I needed at that time but I didn't have the right mindset to use that kindness appropriately what I did do was almost ignore the debt because people would be nice and understanding number one number two my income could only do what it could do so it could only sustain us it could feed us it could uh, forget about clothes it could do the basic minimum basics like just get us from point a to b right we are uh, everything standards of living completely collapsed everything was being sold left right and center first the cars go then the motorbikes then you blow another trading account then that has to go and then the loan to to, to, to refund and then you're in trouble so you have to sell the furniture and things just started to leave bit by bit but, but over and above, the cure, the, the principle in here is from what you believe is little, it is little, it can only do little, there is your solution. The seed for your solution is in this. Start to sacrifice now. And he says, and I'll read it again, doth provide that out of my earnings, my debts shall be paid. Therefore, each time the moon is full, so after a month, Two-tenths of all I have earned shall be divided honorably, fairly among those who have trusted me and to whom I am indebted. Thus, in due time, with all my indebtedness, will be surely paid. Therefore, do I engrave the name of every man to whom I am indebted and honest about my debt. One night, I was so stressed a couple of years ago, and then my partner brought a book. She loves diaries. I mean... It's just this, this you should see our actual home office. It's ridiculous. On her desk, it's just notebooks of different things. She created a debt notebook and told me, you know, let's sit down and let's list every single human being that we owe money, how much we owe them, and slowly but surely see who we can cancel. Back then, it was, I, I didn't do it this way. So what I did was I targeted one person at a time just so so i was in a rush to cancel names right um and and other financial practitioners actually have a better hack there's a better hack you want to get debt collection or debt redemption or debt payoffs into a reward system habit for yourself and the best way to do that is to take the most money you can sacrifice and throw it at all the smallest amounts that you owe. So the little debts that you owe, if you owe someone five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, three, 30 bucks and $500, you wanna smoke all those small monies. 
first with the biggest bang and then moving forward you want to have a consistent set amount in here it's two tenths of your income towards that big giant just consistently just slicing it slicing it when, when I registered for my PhD and my supervisor was explaining to me that you know as much as I've got a lot of things going on I have to just think about my PhD as an elephant so there's a saying that goes how do you slide uh, how do you eat an elephant and the answer is you can't just sit down and just destroy it right it's one slice at a time you know every single day just come back for that slice one day it disappears so commitment writing your debts down so it becomes an actual plan there is power when your neural connectivity actually sees you make the discipline to write stuff down on paper especially if you don't type it but write it down on paper it's a solid commitment right so we've got a list here of, of the Basia's you know debts if you guys want to hear it I will probably butcher most of these names I mean there's Faro, the cloth weaver two silver six copper Senja the couch maker one silver Ama my friend three silver one copper zaka my friend four silver seven copper uh, ask him i don't know my friend one silver three copper hansa the jewel maker six silver two copper Dabakia, my father's friend, four silver, one copper. Alkahat, the house owner, rent, 14 silver. Rent, rent, rent is such a problem. Mathon, the gold lender, nine silver, etc., etc., etc. Right, so tablet three. To these creditors, do I owe in total 119 pieces of silver and 141 pieces of copper because I did owe these sums and saw no way to repay in my folly. I did permit my wife to return to her father and dislive my native city to seek easier world elsewhere, only to find disaster and to see myself sold in the degradation of slavery. Now that Mathon dot showed me how I can repay my debts and small sums of my earnings. I do realize the great extent of my folly in running away from the result of my extravagances. Therefore, I shall I have visited my creditors and explained to them that I have no resources with him to pay except my ability to earn, that I intend to apply two-tenths of all I earn upon my indebtedness evenly and honestly. This much I can pay, but no more. Therefore, if they be patient in time, my obligations will be paid in full. Uh, uh, Arma, whom I thought my best friend, revealed, reviled me bitterly, and I left him in humiliation. Berijek, the farmer, pleaded that I pay him first as he did badly need help. Alcard, the house owner, was indeed disagreeable and insisted that he would make me trouble unless I did soon settle in full with him. All the rest willingly accepted my proposal. Therefore, I am more determined than ever to carry through being convinced that it is easier to pay one's debts than avoid them, even though I cannot meet the needs and the diamonds of a few of my creditors, I would deal impartially with all, right? So that's quite an important thing. You know, a debt plan and the reality of the people you are all is two different things, right? So some of these people did not want the slow term payments. They wanted their money back ASAP. He's got bad credit with them, right? He's lost faith and trust, but it's all part of life. You know, at least you're gonna get something. And that's kind of like the best way to negotiate. Uh, with people that you owe money. Again, the moonshine's full. I have worked hard. Uh, this is tablet four. Again, the moonshine's full. I have worked hard uh, with my free hand. My good wife had supported 
my intentions to pay my creditors because of our wise determination. I have earned during the past moon buying camels of sound wind and good legs for Venepator, the sum of 19 pieces of silver. This I have divided according to my plan. One tenth savings into invest, seven tenths for the house, two tenths to pay debt. One tenth I have set aside to keep as my own, seven tenths I, I, I have I divided with my good wife to pay for our living, two tenths have I divided among my creditors as evenly as could be done in the coppers. I did not see Amma, but left with his wife. But Jake was pleased he would kiss my hand. Old Arkad alone was grouchy and said I must pay faster, to which I replied that if I, have, if I were permitted uh, to be well fed and not worried, that alone would enable me to pay faster. All the others thanked me and spoke well of my efforts. Therefore, at the end of one moon, my indebtedness is reduced by almost four pieces of silver, and I possess almost two pieces of silver besides upon which no man hath claimed. My heart is lighter than it hath been for a, for a long time. Again, the moon shines full. I have worked hard, but with poor success. Few camels have I been able to buy. Only 11 pieces of silver have I earned. Nevertheless, my good wife and I have stood by the plan, even though we have bought no new ramament and eaten little but herbs. Again, I paid ourselves one-tenth uh, of the 11 pieces while we lived upon the seven tens, I was surprised when Amma commended my payment even though small. So did Brijeki. Alcat flew into a rage, but when I when told to give back his portion if he did not wish it, he became reconciled. The others, as before, were content. Again the moon shines full, and I am greatly rejoiced. I anticipated a fine herd of camels and bought many sound ones. Therefore my earnings were 42 Silvers of pieces of silver. This moon, my wife and myself have bought much-needed sandals and raiment. Also, we have dined well on meat and fall. More than eight pieces of silver we have paid to our creditors. Even Alcat did not protest. Great is the plan, for it leadeth leaded us out of debt and gave it us wealth which is ours to keep. Three times the moon had been full since I last carved upon this clay. Each time I paid myself one-tenth of all I earned. Each time my good wife and I have lived upon seven-tenths, even though at times it was difficult. Each time I've paid to my creditors two-tenths in my purse, I now have 21 pieces of silver that are mine. It maketh my head, head to stand straight on my shoulders. It maketh me proud to walk among my friends. My wife keepeth well our home and is becoming gowned. We are happy to live together. The plan is untold value. Hath it not made an honorable man an ex-slave, right? So basically the tablets are his diaries. He comes back every month to catch up with his debt plan. Tablet number five, again, which is probably the fifth moon or the sixth moon, because we did skip three moons earlier on. So whenever it was, again, the moon shines full. And I remember that it is a long since I carved upon the clay. Twelve moons in truth have come and gone. So that's a year. But this day, I, I will not neglect my record because upon this day, I have paid the last of my debts. This is my day upon which my good wife and my thankful self celebrate with great feasting that our determination had been achieved. 
Many things occurred upon my final visit to my creditors that I shall long remember. Ama begged my, for my forgiveness for his unkind words and said that I was one of all others he must desire for a friend. Old Alcard is not so bad after all, for he said, Thou wert once a piece of soft clay to be pressed and molded by any hand that touched thee, but now thou art a piece of bronze capable of holding an edge. If thou needest silver or gold any time, come to me. Right, so the same guy who was very angry about how much he owed is now willing to even borrow him. Nor is he the only one who holdeth me in high regard. Many others speak differentially to me. My good wife looketh upon me with a light in her eyes that doth make a man have confidence in himself, yet it is the plan that hath made my success. It hath enabled me to pay all my debts and to jingle both gold and silver in my purse. I do commend it to all who wish to get ahead, for truly, if it will enable an ex-slave to pay his debts and have gold in his purse, will it not aid any man to find independence? Nor am I myself finished with it, for I am convinced that if I follow it further, it will make me rich among men. You remember in chapter 8, you know, his, ma his slave master's wife asked him, are you a slave or a free man? And this is what he's referring to, right? True freedom comes from being debt free. All right, so we got, we got a snippet of what the five tablets have. And then now a new letter is, is the next page on page 152. Uh, Professor Franklin, uh, uh, you know, Caldwell, Care of British Scientific Expedition. My dear professor, if in your further digging into those ruins of Babylon, you encounter the ghost of a former resident, an old camel trader, trader named Dabasia, do me a favor, tell him that his scribbling upon those clay tablets so long has earned for him the lifelong gratitude of a couple of college folks back here in England. He will possibly remember my writing a year ago that Mrs. Shrewsbury and myself intended to try this plan for getting out of debt and at the same time having gold to jiggle. So just so we're clear guys, this letter is on the 7th of November, 1936. The first letter was written in 1934, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the first letter was written in 1934. So it's been two years and this professor has actually tried these principles, right? He's tried the five tablets, the lessons in the five tablets about how to divide your money. And so he's saying, look, man, it's been two years. And just so you know, that stuff is golden. It worked. I'm way out of it. Me and my wife, Miss Shrewsby, and myself intend to try this plan for getting out of debt and at the same time having gold to jingle. You may have guessed, even though we tried to keep it from our friends, our desperate straits, we were frightfully humiliated for years by a lot of old debts, worried sick for fear some of the tradespeople might start a scandal that would force me out of college. We paid and paid every shilling we could squeeze out of income, but it was very hardly enough to hold things even. Besides, we were forced to do all by buying where we could get uh, further credit regardless of higher costs. It developed into one of those vicious cycles that grow worse instead of better. Our struggles were getting hopeless. We could not move to less costly rooms because we owed the landlord. They did not, uh, they did not appear to be anything we could do to improve our situation. 
Then, then here comes your acquaintance, the old camel trader from Babylon, with a plan to do just what we wish to accomplish. He jolly well steered us uh, to follow his, his system. We made a list of all our debts and I took it round and showed it to everyone we owed. I explained how it was slightly impossible for me to ever pay them the way things were going along. They could readily see this themselves from their figure, from the figures. Then I explained that the only way I saw to pay in full was to set aside 20% of my income each month to be divided pro writer, pro writer, which would pay them in full in a little over two years that in the meantime we would go on on a cash basis and give them further benefit of our cash purchases they were really quite decent our green our, our green grocer was a wise old chap put it in a way that helps to bring about the rest if you pay for all you buy and then pay some on what you owe that is better than than you have done for years paid down the account none in the last three years finally i secured all their names to an agreement binding them not to molest us as long as the 20 percent of income was paid regularly then we began scheming on how to live upon 70 percent we were determined to keep that extra 10% to jingle. The thought of silver and possible gold was most alluring. It was like having an adventure to make the change. We hoped figuring this way and that to live comfortably upon that remaining 70%, we started with rent and managed to, to secure a fair reduction. Next, we put our favorite brands of tea and such under suspicion and were agreeably surprised how often we could purchase superior qualities at less cost. It is too long a story for a letter but how it did not prove difficult. It was not hard. We managed and write cheerfully at that. What a relief to prove to have our affairs in such shape we are no longer persecuted by past due accounts. I must not neglect, however, to tell about the extra 10% we were supposed to jingle. Well, we did jingle it for some time. We don't laugh too soon. You see, that is the very spot. Uh, that is the very sporty part. It is real fun to start accumulating money that you do not want to spend. There is more pleasure in running up a surplus than there is in spending it. I mean, I couldn't agree more. My most favorite times in the market is going to buy stocks, crypto, um, 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 NFTs. I buy a bit, but not. I'm not yet fully in it. I mean, I, I understand it completely, and 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 I like it. Blah blah blah. But I'm still. I'm quite a classic guy, so it takes me a little bit of time to quickly jump onto the next big hot trade. But I I I, I very much love reinvesting my funds. I love paying myself the idea that there is a future where my right now is good, but my future could be ten times better. It is, 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 is exhilarating and also I was kind of like raised by, by, by my parents but my old man's words still stick today he used to say something crazy it's not crazy it's actually a scripture it says, it says 
the righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And so that's kind of like the thing that got me stuck at about the age of 25. I was like, damn, you know, children's children, right? So it's one thing to be able to put your kids at private school. It's another thing to make sure that you can also put your grandkids in private school in the event that your kids can't do it, which they should be able to do it. But it's your job as this kind of the lead of the generation that you're in right now for your family to provide an inheritance for your children's children. And, and there's a lot of pleasure for me over time. I am 10 times more addicted to buying a new coin that might go flat to up than I am in buying a car. You'll never, cars no longer excite me. I'm 10 times more addicted to buying another property to add to the kids' trust than, than fancy stuff. I mean, I don't even do lifestyle content, so let me just shut up about that kind of stuff. But anyways, the point here is, you know, the professor is saying, look, man, I started to get excited. It became real fun. It became a sport to start accumulating money that you did not want to spend. There is more pleasure in running up such a surplus than there could be in spending it. After we jiggled to our heart's content, we found a more profitable use of it. We took upon an investment which we would pay that 10% each month. So they put the 10% in there. This is proven to, the, to be the most satisfying part of our regeneration. It is the first thing we pay out of my check. There is, most, there is a most gratifying sense of security to know our investments are growing steadily. By the time my teaching days are over, it would be a snug sum. Larger, large enough for so the income will take care of us from then on. All this out of the same old check, difficult to believe yet absolutely true. All our debts being paid gradually at the same time, our investments increasing. There we go. So, doing both with the little that you have. Besides, we get along financially even better than before. We will, you will, who would believe that could be such a difference in resulting being following a financial plan and just drifting along? At the end of next year, when all our old bills shall have been paid, we will have more to pay upon our investments besides some extra travel. We are determined never again to permit our living expenses to exceed 70% of our income. Now you can understand why we would like to extend our personal thanks to that old chap whose plan saved us from our hell on earth. He knew he had been through it all. He wanted others to benefit from his own better experiences. The whole point of the podcast, the whole point of the podcast is to make sure we make an impact and that other people get to benefit uh, uh, you know, benefit from, 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 from a lot of my own bitter experiences. Now, that is why he spent tedious hours carving his message upon the clay. He had a real message for fellow sufferers, a message so important that after 5,000 years, it has risen out of the ruins of Babylon, just as true and just as vital as the day it was buried. Right, so yours sincerely, Alfred H. Salisbury, uh, Department of Archaeology and that is the end of chapter 9 ladies and gentlemen thank you for chilling with me thank you for listening in on Spotify I appreciate you um, uh, you know just a wild thought after you follow this plan and you're done with your debt you are psychologically wired that you live out of seven 
seven 70%, seven out of 10, seven tenths of your money because two tenths was always going to your debt, one tenth was going to your future investments. But when the debt is done, you could actually, and you probably have no choice, I would argue that it makes so much more sense that whatever you're throwing in at that one tenth investment, you triple it and now three tenths go towards your paying yourself first, paying towards your future while maintaining a, a, an amicable standard of seven tends to your current and progressive lifestyles right so no i'm not only saying stay in a one bedroom flat for the rest of your life and i'm simply saying understand where you are financially but yeah i don't want to talk for too long it's been a beautiful reading i appreciate you tomorrow is wednesday we'll be doing chapter 10 which is the luckiest man of babylon and then on thursday you know sad as it is we'll be calling an end to the book as we look at a very short chapter chapter 11 which is actually quite an interesting you know historical historical graphic of Babylon and then ladies and gentlemen we will then be moving towards our third book I've got all our books in I've already started making notes you know for for, for the podcast you know and, and 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 by by tomorrow I'll have made up my mind in terms of themes right building up each thing I, I'm quite split between these two books so I would like us to either look at Dr. Joseph Murphy Joseph did his PhD in <laughs> an entire PhD in wealth building. So he's got, I've got all these copies. I've got uh, Think Yourself Rich by Joseph Murphy. I've got um, Mental Antidotes, probably by the bookshelf, it's not next to me right here. Mental Antidotes, um, The Poisons of the Minds. But I'm also thinking about getting into Happy Money by Ken Honda as book number three next so so i'll have to really just think through and then after that i think we'll have done enough of a very abstract level books so far i think science of getting rich richest men of babylon and one of these two would have done enough to then get into what i'm going to call a napoleon hill teaching series now let me tell you a quick story just a quick story now repeat the story later on this is think and grow rich by napoleon hill this book is brilliant it's it's sold over 10 million copies it's you know you know it's, it's a classic you know I've already bought uh, another clean copy for my son who's seven to, to to get it one day in the future so it's in a, it's a little gift thing that, that we're creating for the kids it's a, and for my for my daughter as well it's a classic it's a must read but Napoleon Hill when he when he was told by the richest man in the world um, um, uh, Andrew Carnegie Andrew Carnegie was this multi-billionaire in the 1920s 1918s in the steel industry in America back then and he was told he told Napoleon Hill go and do your research man go sit down and talk to the richest people in the world and figure out how they're doing a certain way how they're getting rich so figure it out do a whole research it took napoleon hill 20 years 20 years to put together this but what a lot of people don't know is this is not the original book of think and go it's the one that you're buying right now right so they have this group of people called masons freemasons masonaries across the world they operate in lodges people speculate the stuff that they do it's not illuminati it's very different I'm speaking fast because it's the end of the podcast. Right, so now Freemasons, guys, are guardians of knowledge passed on from time to time. My little brother is doing his level two with, with, with the Freemasons, so that's all I'm going to say. Right, there is 36 levels. I would love to join them because I love knowledge and information, but I don't have time. 
So maybe two years from now, I will then, you know, become a student there. But the point is, now, the masonry stuff goes way back. You know, you know, it's like those classic Rockefeller rich families that go way back in time, way back. In the town I'm in, in Grahamstown, there's a, there's a masonry hall, an actual masonry hall, right? So it turns out when Napoleon Hill's book was about to come out in the 1970s, the very first book, Think and Grow Rich, Henry Ford, the guy who created Ford, right? People know Ford, Ford the car, uh, but you can also talk from a, a socioeconomic level. You talk about Fordism because he literally changed how rapid capitalism became on a global scale by introducing the assembly line, which changed how people work and also increased global output, uh, was okay with paying high wages, and also created a new class structure for capitalism. We talk about all these fun things, you know, another time. But the point is, Henry Ford back then was part of the Masons, right? And he did not want this information coming out. Did not want this information coming out. And so he literally fought and, and, and they collided against Napoleon Hill um, 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 and, 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 and removed a lot of things. I mean, if you give me a chance to actually tell, I mean, I don't want to waste your time. I, I, but the point is, I could not for three years get the original copy of the book that preceded Think and Go Rich, which is called The 16 Laws of Success. And I finally have it. It's a thousand pages. Think and Grow Rich is 300 pages, right? Think and Grow Rich is only 300 pages. And it's a good book. If you have this book, you know, the, the, the stuff in here is brilliant. I've lived and breathed off this stuff. But I could never, oh, look at this. This copy that I'm busy playing around, was okay no it's my copy i thought it was the copy that my father gifted me a while back as well the, the imagine this book being the watered down version and this book has changed my life and many lives and then imagine what the actual original manuscript is going to have so i would like us in the podcast to sit through the 16 laws of success but it's a big reader it's a thousand page reader i have finally found a place where i can actually buy a physical copy it's very expensive but we need it here in the podcast and so as soon as shipping is done and i get a copy uh we will be in the middle of doing you know one of these two books that i just read out and then we would then jump onto that i would far much more rather read that version first with you because it'll be the first time i'm going through it as well and then jump onto think and grow rich which is apparently the watered down version which is phenomenal right if you've just read think and grow rich then in your hands is phenomenal power but i want us to read the original version that was removed off the shelves in 1918 and kept a secret um, and guarded by what is known as the napoleon hill foundation right which they've been around and still are in operation even though most of these old guys are dead right guys i appreciate you i know i was mumbling and got too excited it's just that when when payment went through and I actually got confirmation that i'd found the original manuscript and was being shipped to africa you know i got so excited i got very very excited so i can't wait to do that on the podcast it will be the longest series we've done but guys in day is everything that we need to know right shake my hand everybody i appreciate you one more time thank you for listening um have a good night man you know thank you for for for, for, for tuning in and i'll see you tomorrow for for one more another episode goodbye peace